one of the things I think to note about Fetterman's victory is it went down exactly as they'd planned it. I know. They thought they could go into these red counties, places like where I grew up. Blair County, where I grew up, went 71% for Trump in the 2020 presidential election. And so the theory is you don't have to flip those counties. That was always, I think, one of the dumber people were just being purposely obtuse if they thought that's what it was about. No one thought yes. you could go in and like regain the quote unquote white working class. But could you go into those counties and make the margin 61% instead of 70%, right? And if you did, you were going to clean up across the state, right? So this was a strategically important win for Democrats. It flipped the seat. Remember that the seat had been held by Pat Toomey. But it also was like a, a test case for a certain theory of democratic politics, right? Yeah. What kind of campaign you could run in a state like Pennsylvania, I mean, I feel the same way. It's so satisfying to see Dr. Oz, that piece of shit, lose to John Fetterman, who is genuinely just such a likable dude. He's authentic. He looks the part. He came out for the victory speech wearing his hoodie. And they, they set out to do this thing, and they did it. And it just feels like it's so uncommon in Democratic like partisan politics at this point. Just like, we've got a strategy, and we're going to do it. And it worked. Especially kind of like progressives trying to do something a little different than what the mainstream party has been pushing. You know, the other interesting aspect of the Fetterman strategy is that, you know, he didn't kind of reach out to those voters by, say, moderating his position on abortion. It was just a bedrock value for him. And yeah. he didn't he didn't try to, like, yeah. finesse that to win over, like, supposedly culturally conservative voters in these parts of the state. Obviously, another important thing about this race is that John Fetterman had a stroke, in the middle of it and continues to struggle with certain cognitive functions. Auditory processing, especially. It manifests in how he processes speech, which at this point in his recovery requires him to read it as opposed to just listen to it. And that's how they did the debate. But also it, it manifests in, a, in the way he speaks. It's just effortful, you know, and you can see that in his face and you can see there's just a struggle. And I watched his victory speech and that effortfulness of, of him having to get his speech out, I actually found it incredibly moving. You see the level of care and effort that it takes for him to do it. Somehow mm -hmm. it's inspiring as, to me because it, it's, it's kind of this counterintuitive thing where because it's a little bit more mediated, it's a little more slower and you can kind of see that the way that it comes out is not necessarily exactly the inflection that he wanted or something like that. It makes him seem very, very human and it kind of just yeah. like crystallizes this fact that like the sort of work of communication, making yourself understood and the fact that it requires on the part of the audience and the listener some kindness and care in response, some kindness and patience, that interaction, it doesn't look exactly the way you expect a big, exciting rally to look, but to perform his vulnerability with a lack of shame. I just feel like that's one of those things we come back to on this podcast as kind of the starting point for a much better politics. 